Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. Amen and amen. He is still good. And he is still God. How many people are happy to be in the house of God this morning? Amen. Well, thank you so much for being here. If we have not had the opportunity to meet yet, my name is JJ, and I have the privilege and the honor of serving Journey Church as its lead pastor alongside my wife, Liz. And we're so glad that you're here. And I know we already did this. But if you're a first-time guest, we just want to welcome you. If you're looking for a church home, look no further. We want to welcome you. Thank you so much, Journey Church. I know we did this already, but would you help me in welcoming them? Come on. It's a big deal. It's a big deal that you're here today um, because you could be anywhere on your Sunday. It's also a big deal if you're here with us today, especially for the first time, because you stepped into one of our most favorite Sundays ever, Baptism Sunday. We are pumped about it. And uh, make some noise if you have a friend or family member who's getting baptized today. Amen. We should all be cheering because they're all family and they're all friends. And, and uh, it's a good Sunday. And so now if it is your first time, you need to come back next Sunday because uh, this Sunday is a little different. We're doing it. It's not a normal Sunday. We're not going to follow the same flow or structure. It's a special Sunday. Also, I want to let you know that if you came today just to support somebody, today might be your day. You might actually decide at the end of this message, you might be so inspired, you might be so touched, not by anything I say, but by the will of God, by his love and presence on your life. You might decide, hey, I want to get baptized too. And I want you to know that we are absolutely prepared for that today. We are absolutely prepared for that today. We have got uh, extra shirts. We have got extra socks. We have got extra underwear. We have got, uh, what else do we have? What? Everything you need to get. We brought towels, um, everything you need. And so at the end of the service today, there's going to be a moment where you're going to, uh, I'm going to ask if there's anybody who wants to get baptized. Of course, you're not under any pressure. But if you feel God leading you, um, we want you to know that we're ready for you. We've got everything you need to get dressed and changed in the privacy and, and, and also just do something today that might just shape the rest of your life. I really believe that. And so um, I'm, I'm excited uh, about it. I want to talk a little bit before we get into baptism today about where this song comes from. Uh, there is another in the fire. It's the first time we did that song today. Wave at me if you liked it. Wave at me if you liked it. Yeah. We tend not to do songs that have a lot, a lot of different words in them just because it's hard to remember. And, uh, and I just like, I grew up in the, in the chorus era of church. Our Christian songs have five words. That's it. And we just sang them over and over and it was good. But I wanted to do this song. Um, I actually asked our worship leader last minute if we could do it. Like they had never played it before and I, and I texted them on Tuesday and I was like, can we do this song on Sunday? Because I want to tell the people where it comes from. I want to share the story behind the song. So I think it will minister to you. Those who are getting baptized today, it will minister to you. And uh, those who just came to church today and you walked into, you don't know what, um, uh, I think it's going to minister to you. So it comes from the book of Daniel chapter 3. Verse 1 through 18, it's a bunch of verses. They'll be on the screen. You can just follow along. If you have a Bible, you can open to it. If not, the verses will be on the screen behind me. And uh, this is where that, that song comes from. Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. 
King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high and six cubits wide, and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So a lot of important people. Some context, by the way, Babylon is an empire, and uh, they're being ruled by this king, Nebuchadnezzar. A lot of different peoples from different nations, different cultures. He's trying to create a common culture that will bond the people. Very similar to what we just did in this last four-week sermon series, The Kind of Church. We tried to create a culture for our church where all of our different cultures could kind of come under one banner. Nebuchadnezzar is doing the same thing, but instead of using faith as the unifying factor, he's using fear. Right? Verse 6. Skip to verse 6. Whoever does not fall down and worship this image immediately will be thrown into a blazing furnace, a fire. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, There are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Sajak, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you. Now, something happened between verse 8 and verse 9 that the Bible doesn't tell us clearly, but it alludes to. So you got to imagine a big courtyard, right? Like imagine, you know, like a stadium, and there's thousands, maybe even tens of thousands of people. Music plays, and when music plays, 9,997 people bow, except for three. I think this is where we get the term, stand for what you believe in, right? These three men are standing, Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They pay no attention to you, so they, they catch them. Verse 13, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king and Nebuchadnezzar and said to them, Is it true, Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you're ready to fall down and bow down and worship the image that I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into the fire, blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. That's a whole sermon right there. If you just knew who you had to defend yourself against and who you didn't have to defend yourself against, you would find freedom like you've never experienced before if you just had that. If you just had that. We don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Verse 17. But if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve can deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he doesn't. Somebody say, if he doesn't. That's my sermon title for today. What if God doesn't? What if God doesn't? You know, I'm not just a pastor of this church. I'm also a member of this church. Like, I'm in a small group, okay? Get in a small group. I'm in a small group because I need it and it blesses my life. Being in a small group helps me to kind of share life with people so I know what people are going through. That helps me become a better pastor, especially on Sundays like today when I don't have to preach on a theme. Because when I don't have to preach on a theme, I can preach on them. I can preach on some of the things that they're going through and quite honestly the things that I'm going through. And if I'm noticing a trend in our church today and the people who call our church home is that there are a lot of people who are waiting on God for something. 
A lot of people who are waiting on God for an income. A lot of people who are waiting on God for a healing. Single parents who are waiting on God for a spouse to help raise their kids. We got some 10th graders who 10th grade sucked. And now you're waiting on God to get to 11th grade. And you're waiting, hoping and believing that it's going to be better. But you just don't know. <laughs> we got some 12th graders who just graduated, going to college, waiting on God, hoping their experience will be great. We got some college graduates who are graduating and now looking for a career. And they're waiting on God. Now, as a pastor, I got to be honest, my initial response to anybody who's going through anything is like, God's got this. He's going to get you through it. Now, I want you to know that when I say that, I'm not just trying to be nice. Like, I say that because I actually have evidence to back that up. Like, I've seen God do the impossible in my life. By the way, you're sitting in an impossible position. And two years ago, this church didn't exist. And now we have over 1,000 people on a weekend. I'm not saying that to bring glory to us, but to prove to you that God does impossible things. So I'm not telling you that because I'm trying to make you feel good or trying to get you optimistic. I really believe it. But I've also, so I'm going to, any situation I get into, I'm going to give God the benefit of the doubt. Any situation I get into. But here's what I've learned the older I get. That just because I give God the benefit of the doubt, that never eliminates the presence of the doubt. It just, it just doesn't. You know why? Because I've seen God move, but I've also had my share of disappointment when it comes to God. I've also asked God for things in my life and I didn't get them. I also laid my hands on the sick, and they did not get well. I also prayed for breakthrough, and I remained in bondage for seven, eight more years. I also prayed for, you know, to get married, and I was single for like, it felt like an eternity. I, I prayed those prayers. I've been on the other side of an unanswered prayer, and I used to, like, kick myself because when I would get these doubt feelings, I would feel like a fake Christian. Anybody resonate with me, relate to me? But as I've gotten older in my faith, I realized that you're not a fake Christian if you have doubt. You're a fake Christian if you pretend like you don't. You want to be a real Christian? Then let's be real. Let's be real with the fact that we come to church and there's about 70% of us that believes God's real. But there's 30% that struggles because if he was real, why is all this going on in my life? We, we wrestle with it. You know what real faith is? Real faith isn't the absence of doubt. Real faith is the cohabitation of doubt alongside faith. It's saying I have doubt, but I also have faith. And I'm not going to let doubt drown out my faith. That's real faith. I'm telling you. And so I find myself in a position where anything I pray for, I believe like God can do it. If you believe God can do a miracle, say amen. But the same time I pray it, I also believe, I also believe that if he chooses to, he can not do it. And so I'm going to praise him if he does it. But the question I want to answer today is, what if God doesn't do it? What will be our response? What if the answer to your prayer is no? I know, this is the most encouraging sermon you have ever heard in your life. Just what if the door that you were expecting to open closes shut? What if the person you were expecting to be the one was the four? You'll, you'll get that in a little bit. What, what, if, what if the answer is no? What will you say then? And some people will say, well, don't talk about it, pastor. That's why I come to church to not think about it. And if you talk about it, I'm going to think about it. But you know what the truth is? We're already thinking about it. And we're going to keep thinking about it until somebody talks about it. So let's talk about it a little bit. I want to help you out, all right? And here's the funny thing. You know, it's like we're almost trained to go to the worst case scenario in our mind. Have you noticed that? It's like automatically. Like the other day, um, Liz was washing the, the curtains in our sliding door window, which is scary for me because we got these big glass sliding door windows. And I don't have a fence right now. There's one side of my fence that's not there. And so somebody could just come into my back. So I was like, babe, you need to put up curtains right now. And she's like, why? I'm like, because. This is what I told her. I said, because 
we can't see out, but someone can see in. Somebody could walk into our yard because we got no fence. They could look inside. They can keep a schedule of all of our activities. <laughs> they'll know when I'm home. They'll know when I'm not. And when I'm not home, they'll kill you all. <laughs> she looked at me like, who hurt you? <laughs> what have you been through? Is there a part of your testimony I don't know about? Like, what's going on? And then when she said that, I'm like, I have issues. Why did my mind go there? I have seen some stuff. And I have been through. You know how you know, how you know that's such a messed up mentality? Because kids don't think like that. You know that? Like when you're born, like kids don't ever think the worst thing that can happen. That's why they run with sharp objects, jump off tall places, and don't look both sides before they cross the street. They're like, what could possibly go wrong? But it isn't until you get hit by a car, somebody say, hey, man, that you're like, I might, I might take a look. Both sides before I, before I cross the street. And some of us have been hit by so many cars, we won't even cross the street at all. You see where I'm going with this? Disappointment has trained us to expect the worst in life. And even when we pray, like if we're really honest, when we pray, we would be surprised if God actually answered it. Come on, somebody. We'd be like, God, do it. But you know. I know. <laughs> and then when he does it, he'd be like, well, dang. I didn't really think he, well, all right then, okay, right? And so I want to help you today. I want to give you a bit of theology of disappointment. If I had a subtitle and I was teaching college students, I'd say, here's a theology of disappointment. When God does it, how do you handle it? First thing you got to do is separate what you want from what you need. Because what you want is certainty. You want to know what the future holds. And you want to know who's in it. You don't just want the answer to your prayer. You want the answer and you want it postmarked. Come on, somebody. You want the date, you know. What you want is certainty. But what you need is confidence. Confidence. I don't have a lot of time to preach because we're doing baptism today. So I'm going to just have to teach this to you in an illustration. I'm going to ask my wife to come on stage. Give it up for my wife, Liz. Has to be her. Usually I'll use just anybody from, from the church um, for an illustration. But today... You look good today, girl. So good. She's in the curly hair thing. She's doing diva curl. Thank you, Medi. Yeah. And uh, it's looking good. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, use her in this illustration here. So Liz represents you, okay? Only you wish you looked, okay? But she represents you, okay? And, then, and now we're going to use this pulpit, all right? Now this pulpit is going to represent the goal, the answer to the prayer. Whatever it is you've been asking God for, now we're just, let's pretend like, like this message is not for your neighbor. Okay? So wave your hand at me if in the last 24 hours you've asked God for something. Come on. Okay, some people just don't believe in prayer. That's cool. All right. Well, no judgment. Just come. Um, so, so this is the thing you've been praying for. This is the thing you've been wanting in your life. All right? Even if you don't pray for it, you want it. Okay? Liz is you. And the path from where she is to where she wants to go, let's just call that the future. All right? Now, life seems simple enough, doesn't it? This is where I am. This is where I want to go. All I got to do is get there. The only problem is that life really is not this simple. There are some challenges that we have to face. And the first challenge we have to face is, can you put this on for me real quickly? Yeah. Okay. The first challenge that we have to face is that we're blindfolded. Well, that's messed up. If you blindfold me, how am I supposed to get there? I don't know, but I have to blindfold you. Why? Because if this path is called the future, who here can see the future? Not one. 
So because you can't see the future, you've already begun your journey blind. Are you with me? Secondly, who said the goal was at this point in the timeline? What if God wanted to answer your prayer, but it wasn't a month from now? What if it was a year from now? Who said that it would be so soon? Who said that it would happen so soon? Right? So that complicates it. Thirdly, who says it's going to be a straight line from here to your destiny? What if, what if it's crooked? Because I'm going to tell you, I took a lot of rights, a lot of lefts in life. I've taken a lot of U-turns, K-turns, returns, if you know what I'm talking about, okay? I've, it was never a straight line. It is never a straight line to your destiny. Yet we assume so. And fourthly, is that even a word? I don't know. Fourthly, who's to say that the thing you want, because you're praying for a pulpit, this is the goal. But what if you've been praying for the wrong thing your whole life? And what if the goal isn't a pulpit, the one that God has for you, what if the goal is a broom? I'm just saying. See, because when you pray, you pray for what you want, but God knows what's best. And so you can want a pulpit, but he's like, yeah, but this is what's going to bring joy to your life the most. And so can you find joy willing to exchange the mic for the mop if it's what he has planned for your life? So now we're in a predicament. Why are we in a predicament? Because we're going, you don't know where. <laughs> Getting there, you don't know how. Arriving, you don't know when. Chasing, you don't know what. And you ready for this? And this is life. <laughs> and this is life. I'm going, I don't know where, arriving, I don't know when, getting there, I don't know how, and chasing, I don't know what. That's life, y'all. Why do I make it the point? Because you're asking and wanting certainty, but you want something that you cannot have. You just can't. And if you're one of those control people, this is really hard for you. But you, it just doesn't exist. And so this is like, well, how am I going to get there if I can't be certain about where I'm going? Well... If only you knew somebody who was not bound by a blindfold. If only you knew somebody who was not bound by space or time. If only you knew somebody who knew how to get to where you wanted to go, who knew the thing that would add value to your life the most. If you knew somebody, and that's why it had to be Liz. Because even if that person existed, it wouldn't matter if you didn't have a relationship with them. But she... She can't see me. But guess what? Hey, babe. She can't see me, but she recognizes my voice. That's how it is with God, you know. You spend enough time with him, you recognize his voice. You go, yes, Lord. That's what she calls me at home. <laughs> yes, Lord. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Anyway, um, she, 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 and then if, she, if she knew me, and then she could trust me, and then this is what she could do. She could give me her hand, and I say, hey, don't worry. I got you. I see what you can't see. I know the best way to get where you want to go. Are you, are you following me? She doesn't need certainty in where she's going because she's confident in who she's going there with. So in your life... Don't chase something you can't attain. 
Instead, hold on to the one, the hand of the one who you know loves you enough, who you know trust, who you can trust. He's not going to lead you off the platform. He's not going to try to embarrass you. She asked me before we did this illustration, she's like, are you going to set me up and make me look stupid by making me trip over the something and try and prove a point by that? I was super offended that she would even assume that, okay? But secondly, I'm like, I'm so glad you asked that because now that's going to be a point in my sermon. You think God's really trying to set you up? Do you think he's going to lead you off the stage to make, to make a cautionary tale out of your life and then tell other people, don't be like Johnny. Thanks for dying, Johnny. Needed you to die so I could save 100 other people. He died for the one. For you. Do you trust him enough to hold his hand and be confident even when you can't be certain? Here's three things about this you need to know. I'm going to hit it real quick. Number one, you can't have certainty and confidence at the same time. You can't have this kind of relationship, okay, and this kind of relationship at the same time. Certainty wants to be in front, make all the decisions in life. Certainty wants to be in the lead, but you're blind. So you can't lead and be sure of where you're going at the same time. You're not built to lead. She told me the other day, she told me on the phone, I was stressing. I slept two hours five nights ago. We got some big decisions to make as a church, some really cool stuff. You'll hear about it on Vision Sunday, September 8th. And I told her, I said, I, I can sleep. I didn't sleep at all. She said to me, she said, I slept great. <laughs> I was like, what? She said, I slept great. She, she, I said, why did you sleep great? I didn't sleep at all. She says, because I know you pray. And I know you hear from God. This is her exact word. She didn't know what I was preaching about. She said, and I'm confident that you're going to make the right decision. You know why she was chilling? Because she didn't have this kind of relationship. She knew that if she was going to be able to sleep at night, she was going to have to have this kind of relationship. But she could trust me enough to have this kind of relationship. Some of y'all stressing out because you want the lead position and you refuse to live your life in the follow position. And as long as you're in the lead position, you're going to carry the weight of leadership. But if you would humble yourself, get behind the Lord, let him make the decisions, let him lead your life. You can have the confidence to know that wherever he goes is good for you. That whatever he takes you to is good for you. That whoever he brings you towards is good for you. It's good for you because he loves you. And he's not going to try and set you up. He's not going to try and set you up. Number two, number two, babe, are you, um, you know, I know you can trust me in everything. You know, I'm not going to let you fall. But are you scared right now? <laughs> you hear what she said? She said, somewhat. Just being real, somewhat. Here's my second point. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to be scared. You got a lot riding on the next year of your life. It's okay to be scared. You can be holding the hand of God and you can still be scared. But you know what she said? She says, somewhat. I'm not freaking out, but I'm somewhat scared. Hey, that's why they call it walking by It's a faith walk. You're never really sure. You're never really certain. But you're walking by faith. It's somewhat scary, but I'm going to hold on. All right? Stay right here, babe. This is my last point. Here's my last point. Stay still. Don't move. scary, right? Did you see her reaction? What did she do when I hit the horn? What did she do when I hit the horn? 
She, she flinched, but what you couldn't feel because you're not me, she held on tight. Sometimes God will shake your certainty to shape your confidence. Yet so many of us, when we get scared, what do we do? We run. Why would you run from the one who actually knows what's going on? Don't run. Hold on tight. Hold on tight. I'm scared. Hold on tight. I'm afraid. Hold on tight. I don't know what the future has. Hold on tight. Hold on tight. You can't have certainty and confidence at the same time. So you know what? While you're confident, just keep walking. I'm scared. You're scared? Keep walking. Keep walking. Just keep walking. Just keep walking. My circumstances are being shaken. My certainty is being rocked. Just keep walking. Just keep walking. This is the answer in uncertain times. Hold on and just keep walking. And if you can do that, you see, the reason why the three men were able to say, and even if he doesn't, is because they had been walking for a long time. They were kidnapped from their home in Jerusalem, and they walked to Babylon. In Babylon, they got even, they got led into schools in Babylon. Their names were changed. Things were happening around them that weren't good, that weren't pleasant, but they just kept on walking. They just kept on walking. Hey, I'm, hang on right here, babe. Stay right here. I'm, I'm still here. <laughs> they just kept on walking. They just kept on walking. And guess what happens when they're in the fire? I pray that your mind, your spiritual mind blows up when you hear this. Because I had heard this story my whole life and I never noticed this one detail. Never noticed this one detail. Daniel chapter 3 verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement. This is after they got thrown in the fire. And asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly your majesty. Verse 25, he said, look, I see four men. I see four men freaking out. I can't see it. My Bible's messed up. You're going to have to help me. I see four men freaking out. I see four men panicking. I see four men crying. I see four men banging at the door of the furnace saying, let me out, let me out. I see four men walking. And I know what it was like in there. I'm not there, but I know what it was like in there. The fire came up. They were like, oh. And then they were like, oh, look, Jesus. And then Jesus was like, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, great job. You ready? I'm ready. Cool. Follow me. Walking. 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 The miracle is not that God rescued you from the fire, but that somehow you found the ability to walk through the fire. You just held on to Jesus. And as scary as it got, you just kept on walking. As nervous as you got, you just kept on walking. When the temperature got high, you just kept on walking. You just kept on walking. You just kept on walking. Thank you so much, baby. Just kept on walking. Just keep on walking. And are you ready for this last point? Daniel chapter 3, 26. And they were so into what was happening. They were so blown away that God had jumped into the fire. Look at verse 26. It's crazy. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blending furnace and shouted, Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, 
come out. Exclamation point. Come here. Did you see it? The door was open and they didn't want to leave. Why? Because I'd rather be in the fire with Christ than out of the fire without him. So as long as he's leading me, I'm following. I'm not following the things of this world. I'm not following the king. I'm not following what looks like freedom. I'd rather be in the fire with Jesus. Here's the revelation. Here's the revelation. This is all I wanted to get across for those who are getting baptized and for those who might think about it. I'm not serving God because I need him to get me out of something. I'm serving God because I found something that I'm going all in on. And even if he doesn't come through, and even if it doesn't look like the miracle, and even if I don't get the answer I prayed for, and even if I get thrown into the fire, that's cool because I don't need certainty. I've got confidence. I put my trust in Jesus. I put my trust in the Lord. Would you stand on your feet today? All over this room, head bows, eye closed. You've been walking around. The furnace has been open. The furnace has been open. And you're starting to feel the temperature. You're not sure what the future holds, but today I'm telling you that there's someone who holds your future. His name is Jesus. And if you're in this room today and you've never made a decision to follow Christ before, or maybe it's been a long time since you've made that decision. When I count to three, if you're in this room and you say, you know what, I just wanna follow him because I'm freaking out. I got some big decisions. I just need somebody's hand to hold. Somebody who I can trust. Somebody who I can believe in. Somebody who, 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 no matter what the future has, I'm good. Even if he doesn't, I'm good. So that's you when I say three. I want you to raise your hand if you want Jesus in your life. This is, the, this is what salvation is. This is what repentance is. Repentance is such an ugly word sometimes, especially if you grew up in church, but it's really a beautiful thing. You know what it is? Repentance is I'm tired of leading my own life. I want to hold on to the hand of the one I want to hold on to his hand because I can't do this by myself anymore. I can't do this by myself anymore. That's you in this room. I'm not asking about baptisms. You just, just want to raise your hand just to give your life to Jesus Christ today. All over this room. If that's you, when I say three, shoot your right hand in the sky. One, two, all over this building. One, two, three, right now. Shoot your right hand up high. Come on, I see your hand. 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 I see it. I see it. I see it. I see your hand. Come on. Put your hand down. Put your hand down. Pray with me. I want you to pray with me. If you raise your hand, and even if you didn't, I want you to help support those. We're going to champion those who did raise their hand. I want everyone to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, today I choose to hold your hand, and no matter what happens, even if you don't, I will not let go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, give it up for the 12 people who lifted up their hand. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option. Or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.